Hello and welcome to episode 137 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. Joining me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going very well. How are you? Not too bad. I've done a bit of number crunching. I've done a bit of research. I'm I'm perky. That's great. Yeah, it's always good to hear you doing the number crunching, hey, because the way I used to do number crunching, when I used to do it, it took a lot longer. It was a lot harder to get all the info, and you've just got it all on Rugby League Project, obviously, so it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, yeah. I like being fantastic. <laughs> Why don't you just tell us how fantastic you are, then? <laughs> oh, out of 10, I'd give myself a 20. Nah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> wow, I thought I had the ego. You do. Sometimes I, I, I've just got to let it out for a little bit, and then I put it back in its box for another two or three years. <laughs> That's it, job done. You yeah. won't hear from that for another two years. <laughs> um, the footy season in Australia pretty much got properly underway this weekend. Mm. With trials matches going on, we had the World Club Challenge, the uh, All Stars games, so we've got a fair bit of footy talk going on, I guess. Um, and the number crunching is—we'll we'll get to that later. But that's pretty mm. fascinating. We got a little interesting stat out of that too, which hasn't been mentioned anywhere. So that's going to be pretty good. Yeah, it was cool when you brought that one up. Uh, can't wait. I can't believe no one brought it up, but I kind of know why. But yeah. Well, they haven't got a stats man like me. Jeez, I exactly. thought I'd put that ego away. Yeah. Well, they should be employing you because if they employed you, then they would have all been able to have promoted it the right way, but they didn't. That's no. their loss. Opportunity missed. Yep, 100%. So we'll start off with the, the All-Stars game. And yeah. The, uh, in the women's All-Stars game, we had the Indigenous side won 10-4 and what was a pretty tight game. That was possibly the... I'm pretty sure that was the only game I watched the majority of this whole weekend. And how good was it? Like, that was a proper brutal match. Yeah, no, it was it was very entertaining. No mm. doubt about it. I'm... I I was always a bit hesitant about watching the women's game, not because I didn't think it'd be any good, but because I kind of got stuck just watching my team playing in the NRL. Yeah. And, I, you know, I had to report on a few of the women's games last year. And very, very quickly came around to watching more of them. It didn't take much effort whatsoever. Um, yeah. There's something about women's rugby league that it really translates well. Like, there's some women's sport. Like, women's basketball is really hard to watch, man. I mean, you got to struggle watching that one. But women's rugby league is really exciting, and there's a heap of, of skill involved in and there's toughness. Like, it, it is just really good to watch. I think the thing I like about it is you actually have, you know, unlike in the men's game where mm. all the players, other than the halves and maybe some fullbacks, they all look pretty much the same type of human. Mm-hmm. They're all fairly similar build, around six, six, two tall, and they're about 105 kilos. You know, that's pretty much everyone. Yeah, the women's game, you've got you've got some some big players, some little ones, and they're all over the field in different positions, and they all sort of <clears throat> it's a little bit of old school football in that sense, and then. The ruck is so fast and so clean. It just means that the game just rolls on quickly and cleanly, and there's very few stoppages, unlike in the men's game. And I'd love to see the men's game played in the same spirit and the same style that the women's game is played in. There's a little bit of 
it's almost a shadow of touch football around the rock. It's that clean. Yeah. Uh, and, and they get, they get out of dummy half really well. And I think it makes for a really fast and open game as well. Um, and, and the women's players, they, because it's a little bit different in that sense, they, they play a little bit of a different style as well. So they're not, the men's game is very structured because it has to be, because, you know, the, the players are resetting in a very similar way most of the time. Whereas the women's game, they're running a lot out of dummy half. They're in opposition teams that are backpedaling a lot. The markers a lot of the time aren't set uh, because the, the, the play, the ball's been so quickly. And so it just it's a different style of game, and it's it's really entertaining. I like I I like watching both styles of the game being played. Um, but like if somebody said to you, the only rugby league that's on for an entire weekend is women's rugby league, I wouldn't feel like I was missing out on my rugby league fix. I would be like, oh, it's great. I'll you know get some beer in and watch the women play rugby league. And I'm really excited this year because I'm going to be able to get to call a bunch of the games um, on uh, Swa Sports. So it, it, we're really lucky that we've got the sort of sport that the women's side of it is just fantastic to watch. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I'm definitely going to be watching as much of the women's game as I can this year because mm-hmm. I just love the way it's it's almost a different game to the men's one. And sometimes the men's one can get a bit tedious yeah, because you're just seeing the same sort of thing every week. Mm-hmm. That's why I didn't mind watching the Super League. It may not have been the same skill level, but it was played in a completely different style, and it was a little bit quicker because there wasn't as much wrestle in the in the ruck. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a little bit more open. But the yeah. women's game, I think, just does that a little bit better, and so it just you get that end to end action, and it's just so much more exciting to watch. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, this year's locked in for the women's competition what i would like to see uh and we'll probably talk about this more during the year um is the the women's competition expanded in terms of the number of teams and i think what they need to do is instead of just having you know one quick block of of the women's season because the women's season is very short what i would like to see them do is maybe you know you could uh spread out the schedule and maybe have like the women playing every two weeks but if you spread the schedule out enough, you'd have games every weekend and maybe play it over, you know, three months or something. So it's it's got it enough time to really be featured in the in the calendar. Um, I think the way that it's done right now, it's a little bit too quick and it's a little bit of an afterthought. And I, I don't think it does the the players in the women's game. Uh, I think it does them a disservice the way that it's run at the moment. They need a a little bit of a longer season, but you've also got to take into account that their recovery rates from games and things like that are very different from the men as well. So you can't just play week in, week out and have a really long season. It's got to be structured so that it uh, it, it works out for the women's players. I was wondering if they could have it in a system where they have, say, started a little bit after the men's game does because obviously they've got less teams, so the number of games they play is going to be much less. Mm-hmm. But have a start, you know, round about say round eight or something like that in the men's game, and just have two weeks on, two weeks off, and just do that, and have a Origin game, I guess, towards the end of their season instead of around the same time as the men's one, 
make yeah. that a proper genuine event and then have their finals around the same time as the men's one. So you've got a women's game on grand final day at the same time as the men's one's on. <clears throat> yeah, they, they need to do something along those lines. I think that because they've hardly got any teams at the moment, um, it's a little bit difficult to do something like that. Yeah, but, yeah that's but, the problem. They haven't got too many teams. That they could probably have, well, I suppose they've only got about six rounds, I guess, if they do full home and away, given there's only four teams. Yeah, and the other thing is too, like, <laughs> I, and I've said that I think that the women's team shouldn't be named after NRL clubs. I think they should be their own standalone entities. But uh, I think you definitely need a team in Western Sydney. Um, and look, I think you could probably have a, a couple of teams in New Zealand. But I think that you need to, they, they definitely need to look at expanding the competition. Um, because, I mean, the quality's there. Yeah, I mean, they could have basically North Sydney, South Sydney, Eastern Sydney, Western Sydney. You may name whatever you want, but just have those yeah. four areas done. If there's enough talent um, in the future, have a Central Sydney. You yeah. Know? But that's all you need is a maximum of five there, and I think that would be more than enough. Um, one or two Brisbane teams. Try and get one in every capital city elsewhere. Yeah, one or two in New Zealand. That would be the long-term future. Mm. Not not have so much condensed in the Brisbane and Sydney markets. Try and spread it out a bit more and sort of spread the net wider to start with. Um, if they could do that, that would be fantastic. 100%. 100%. And look, I guess there's because the outlay on players is less, you could probably bring in a team from Adelaide really easily, you know, because you're not having to generate so much income just to have their club running you know it wouldn't take very much money to have a women's team that you're based in adelaide or something like that and get them involved in the rugby league structure in some capacity exactly no i think i think there's a lot of scope for that competition to be very strong very quickly in its own right yeah now also in the weekend we had a whole heap of trials were played Mm. um We've got the men's all-star game too, by the way. Sorry? We've got the men's all-star game too, by the way. Oh, that's right, yeah. The all-stars men beat the Maori side 30-16. Yeah, (laughs) I watched that game. It was a really, really good game. The thing, I I felt like the Maori were going to win it um, going in just because their forward pack just had a little bit bit more class in the forward pack, I thought. Um, Some interesting things to come out of it. Um... I think Latrell Mitchell as a fullback was interesting watching him play the game because he tended to watch the attack a little bit too much as a fullback. And, it's you know, he's, he'll work it out eventually. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, he, he needs to learn that he can be a decoy runner out the back of a play and he can have a massive impact by not even touching the ball. Um, he just seemed a little bit out of place in attack a lot of the time, which was unfortunate. But And, and it, it probably proved to me that as an NRL fullback, it's going to take some time. He's not going to be like a Greg Inglis who was, you know, plug in and play and straight away as, you know, the second best fullback in the world immediately. It's going to take Mitchell a little bit of time, especially in, in attack. Um but, yeah, it was a great game. It was a lot closer than the final scoreline uh, would suggest. What was the final scoreline? It was like 30. Uh, 30, 30 to 16. 
yeah, so it, it felt a lot closer than that. Um, but it was a really good contest. I really enjoyed it. No, that's good. Now, look, I think I think for Mitchell, it's, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to judge any of the players based on the All Stars game, given that there's so few club combinations there. Yeah. Um. So, I think it'd be I'm I'm more interested to see how he goes when he actually lines up for South in a trial game. Yeah. He's been playing alongside players that he's been training with for the last few weeks. I think that might be a little bit, I think, a better indicator, I guess, as to where he's at. Yeah, yeah. and one of the the interesting things, like he looked like he was short of a run, not too much, but he, he looked like he was a little bit short of a run, which most players are at this point of the year. Um, it also made you appreciate, because he, he's about the same size as Greg Inglis, like they're two big dudes, made you appreciate what a pure athlete Greg Inglis was in terms of, like, I mean, he stepped right into fullback and there was no problems at all. Um, yeah. And, and it, you know, Mitchell's a little bit younger than Inglis was when he made that transition. So, you know, but he, he has the size. He's got the skill. He'll work it out. I've got no doubt about that. But it was interesting watching him play that first game. Um, and, and I think... He's got the best teacher there at South in that Greg Inglis is around, you know, um, and and he'll tell him what to do. And and yeah, I've got no doubt that it'll it'll work out for him. Um, they also trialed some of the um, the new rule changes. So they had the the twenty forty rule, which I think one player tried and it didn't pull. They didn't pull it off, unfortunately. Um, the captain. Oh, they had the. The scrum sitting in the middle of the field, which was good. I like that one. But the the captain's challenge is going to be a mess because they've only got a, like 10 seconds to put up the captain's challenge and only, you know, certain people can go to the referee and, and say they want the captain's challenge. It, it's just too quick and it's just going to turn a mess into what? I think that they'll scrap it really quickly. Because they're already going to the video ref anyway when there's a problem. Um, and I just think the captain's challenge is going to be another stoppage in the game that is not needed. And it's one that will end up being exploited just for a rest. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's nothing good about the rest challenge. I, the whole concept behind it is just... I just hate the whole freaking thing. I really do. Um, I said it on the last episode, you know, all it does is belittles the referee on the field, and I hate that. Yeah, and we don't need to to have the, any more stoppages in the game at all. No. no. Um, yeah, very interesting. Um, as I was saying before, with the trials results uh, last Saturday, so not this week, this just happened the week before, Brisbane beat the Capras 36-18. Um, and on this weekend, we had a whole heap of teams playing. Uh, South beat Parramatta 28-24. Winner Manly beat the Broncos 16-12 on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, North Sydney Bears beat the Titans 18-16. Melbourne beat the Warriors 18-16. Dragons beat the Knights 38-12. Bulldogs beat the Sharks 30-18. Penrith beat the Tigers 32-4. And then on Saturday, Cowboys Cowboys beat the Broncos 18-16. Um yes. So the Broncos played twice this weekend. And lost both times. Yeah. <laughs> they lost to the Cowboys and they beat to win a manly. Man, it's not a good weekend. It's funny, though, because the trials, I mean, I there's some people say that we should have a preseason comp, and I, 
I kind of don't like that idea because I think that clubs need to be able to, at, at this point of the year, they need to just be able to get a run into their players and the results shouldn't mean much. No, it's all about testing your depth too and seeing what's, you know, who's ready to, to fit into certain positions if need be and that sort of thing. Um, and I agree. I don't think you need to have a preseason comp. The problem I've got is the, the NRL makes a fair bit of fuss, I guess, over these games despite the fact they're just trials. Mm-hmm. Um, like they go to the effort of saying, oh, but we're going to take the trials to the bush and go and... There's not much point talking it up if the teams aren't taking it seriously. Like the, yeah. you see, some of these teams they're taking games out to the bush, and it's just a bunch of eighteen-year-olds playing out there. You know, there's no NRL stars going into these games. Yeah, and, and if you're going to take games out to the bush like that, like they have to be full competition games because you know you you don't want to disrespect your supporter base out there by giving them an inferior product. Especially um, after you've taken the city versus country game away from those people. Exactly, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that at this point of the year, this is the way the trials are run is exactly what teams need out of them. Um, wasn't there a game, I'm pretty sure a couple of years ago, and I feel like Melbourne were involved where they played a trial game behind closed doors? Uh, it's very possible. Yeah, I feel like they played a club... And that was just behind closed doors. Man, I wish I could remember who it was that played in that game. But, but I mean, it, it really is at that level where the coaches, if they're leading on the scoreboard, they might swap their entire team out just to see how a, their second string players, you know, play. Or, you know, they might leave somebody out there that's absolutely gassed because he needs the, he needs the extra Ks in his legs. Um, that's why he can't have a a pre-season competition because it just, it adds a, a layer of pressure that the clubs don't need at this time of the year, which is ironic because, you know, that we're going to start talking about the world club challenge, which is a layer of pressure. I don't think a club needs at this point of the year. No, that's true too. So uh, speaking of that, the Roosters beat St. Helens 20 to 12 to retain their titles world champions. Um, it's the fourth time that these two sides have met and the Roosters have won all four games, scoring 121 points to St. Helens, 26. Wow. <laughs> so uh, St. Helens are absolutely owned by the Sydney Roosters. They are the Roosters bunnies. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Imagine how embarrassing that is for St. Helens and their supporters that they know that the Roosters, every time they play the Roosters, they're just... It's a non-event for the Roosters. They win at a canter. Mm. Yeah, it was actually a pretty much a replay of the very first World Club Challenge game that was ever played back in 1976. And on that occasion, the Roosters won 25-2. to Now, the interesting stat we came up with is when we looked at all World Club Challenge games that were being played, and this is not just the, the ones to determine the best in the world, but all the club games as well that went on, so... We had those World Club Challenge series that went for two or three years. Yep. Uh, recently, we're the second and third best Australian team that decided to go over to England to play against their best, you know, second and third best sides. Those games are included as well as the 1997 World Club Challenge match, all of the games in that final series. Mm-hmm. Um, you had all those games up. This game that was played 
um, yesterday between the Roosters and Helens was the 100th match between an NRL side and a Super League game under World Club Challenge sort of banner. And it's weird. Nobody mentioned that. So you were the first person to point that out in the entire world. And on this podcast, I guess, we're the first to mention that anywhere. Yeah, so um, look out for George Clark's article tomorrow. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we'll leave it there. So um, we... At League Freak's request, I put together a ladder for every team that's ever played in, in you know, those 100 games. Mm. And we figured out who the best team is in the history of World Club Challenge matches. Yeah, so it's like combining all of them, having a big for and against, who's won, who's lost. So who come out on top? Okay, so we've sorted this by win percentage, mm-hmm. points difference, um, and we've come out with the four teams who have never lost a World Club Challenge game. Mm-hmm. But the team at the top is the Roosters with six wins, and they've scored 177 points, conceded 48. The points difference yeah. of 129. That's pretty um, good against. Absolutely. So they are the best team ever in the world in club footy. How's that? Is that, is that about right? Uh, you know. <laughs> um, South one win. Uh, Witness had one win against Canberra back in '89, mm-hmm. and the Dragons have had two wins and no losses. Now the weird one for me was Witness because they weren't involved in 1997, so they that must have been at a period of time for Witness one of the half dozen when they've gone broke. Um, so that that was a weird one for me that they were still up that high. And it's funny because it makes Widness the best English team that's ever been in the World Club Challenge. By far. Yeah. By far. The next best was Wigan, who had won 35.29% of their games. Yeah, which is atrocious. <laughs> that's six wins and 11 losses. Um, so we'll go through the rest. Why the hell not? Yeah. I'll put these in a tweet later as well for a bit of fun. Yeah. Um, Hunter comes next with 88.89%. Their only loss in nine games came against the Broncos in the 97 World Club Challenge final. Mm-hmm. The Auckland Warriors, at 87.5%. Cowboys, 85.7%. The Melbourne Storm at 80 The Sharks at 77.78%. The Broncos at 75% with Penrith. Um, Canberra Raiders at 7.43%, Adelaide Rams and the Western Reds both at 66 the Bulldogs at 57.14%, Wigan 35.29%, Manly and Leeds at 33%. Um, Manly's won one and lost two, mm-hmm. and Leeds had won four and lost eight. Whoa. Um, Bradford at 30%, Oldham and Salford and Sheffield all had 25%. Paris Saint-Germain, 20%. And this is the one that surprised us a little bit. Mm-hmm. I didn't think this they'd be this low, but St. Helens, 18.75%. They've had three wins from 16 games, scored 220 and conceded 576. They've got the worst points difference of any team ever in this yeah. ladder. They need to just stop turning up to these things, eh? <laughs> 
That's a pretty bad record. It really is. Shameful. Um, less than 20%. Uh, London Unless Broncos. At a totally wicked stadium, though. <laughs> well, that's true. London Broncos, uh, 14.29%. And the Warrington side, they've had 12.5%. They're the only, they're the last or the worst ranked team that's had a win. Then there's four sides that haven't had a win yet, and that's the Newcastle Knights, the West Tigers, Castleford, and Halifax. There you go. Wow. That's an interesting list, though, when you look at the whole thing overall. Um, man, St. Helens. How embarrassing. That's, that's pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah. I I thought... I generally thought they'd have, they'd have done a bit better than that. I thought they'd be up around the, the 35% with Wigan. You'd think so. But turns out they're, they're just... They're on a completely <laughs> different level when it comes to futility when matched against the world's talent. Yeah. Especially when it's the Roosters. Yeah, oh, the Roosters, I mean... Like, knowing that four of those 13 losses are come against one team. Yeah. The Roosters must love it when they've got to play St. Helens, eh? And they play him so often. Mm. That's amazing. So, just so, just for everyone, um, obviously they played the first game, as I said, in 1976. The Roosters won 25-2. to two. That was at the SCG. Mm-hmm. Um, they then played him in 2003, where the Roosters won 38 nil. They then played him again in 2016, where they won 38-12. to 12, And obviously they them yesterday where they won 20 to 12. Now, here's the thing about the World Club Challenge. Okay. How how much interest did you have in the World Club Challenge this year? None. And I, look, had, I had none either. And the reason is the, the gap between the two codes is now ridiculous. Mm. And I know Trent Robinson came out and said that he believed that the gap between the NRL and Super League had closed considerably. Mm. I think he's just being polite to the to the British game. Yeah, and look, that's the thing that I always... I, I've been taking the piss out of that for 10 years, that this whole we're catching up stuff, it's just not true. No, it's it's really not. The World Club Challenges and this ladder I've looked at here just goes to prove it, really. Yeah. It's it's not close, um, especially when you you're sort of putting St Helens who have already played two or three games in the Super League, mm-hmm. so their top players are already, you know, basically they've got match fitness and they're ready to go. Whereas the Roosters' top players haven't played really at all since last year, mm-hmm. and the Roosters came out and you know, from from what I understand, they they played a very good first half. And just cruise through the second half, which is kind of what they did in the NRL Grand Final, if we're honest. Yeah, and that's what they did most of last year. A lot of the times when they wanted to, you know, not risk injuries and stuff like that, they just sort of blow a team off the park in the first half and then just coast. And only your elite teams can do that and win. And the thing is, too, like if you played this game, say you played this game in July. Like, the Roosters would buzzsaw St. Helens. You know? they they yeah. It wouldn't even be close. Um, I, I think the last time the World Club Challenge, and really I feel like it's the only time the World Club Challenge 
built up to something was when Wigan played uh, Brisbane in the, the early 90s there. That was an interesting contest. But that Wigan team was rightfully the best team in the world. Like, there's no doubt about that at the time. Yeah. Um, but since then, it's just been a bit of a farce of a competition. And, you know, we've, we tried to play it over here a few times and it just, no one cared when it was over here. And, you know, this World Club Challenge game really didn't cause a ripple in the the rugby league news cycle over here, really. Um, it's unfortunate. I think that there's ways to make the World Club Challenge way better and, and way more relevant to rugby league around the world because I think saying that the world champion comes from the winner of the NRL and Super League is a little bit ridiculous, quite honestly. It kind of needs to have its own competition. Yeah. Like, this is the thing. I actually think that the concept of the 1997 World Club Challenge wasn't entirely a bad one. Mm. Like the idea... I'm not talking about the results and how much of a one lopsided flogathon that it was. Yeah. But more about just the concept of having the best English teams playing against the best Australian teams, and then you determine the best team in the world based on that. Um, obviously, things got tweaked midway through that competition to try and keep it somewhat relevant, given that the Australian teams were flogging the English ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not, I'm not embellishing the facts here. Because um, there were 60 games played before the finals in that 97 World Club Challenge. The Australian teams won 52 of those 60 games, scoring 2,316 points to the British side's 851. It's insane. It was so, it was shockingly bad. And the weird thing was that it was one of the, almost one of the crown jewels that Super League had because mm. they'd been about we're going to take the aim to the world and all this and and they'd made their club season their their Australian club season short so that they could play this world club challenge and then when it turned into the absolute annihilation that it became very early on it was I mean it was a PR disaster and it really took a lot of the wind out of Super League sales this Australian Super League competition sales they lost a lot of money on it and it it kind of ended their their season, you know. It was just a nothing event, like you know. I mean, it was well, just we had, we had that out of it. So we had that farcical thing in the last round where Penrith played St Helens, and Penrith were given the. It seems odd saying it now, but at the time during this competition, it's actually seemed quite achievable, where they had to beat St Helens by forty seven points or more to reach the finals. And Penrith only won by six. Mm-hmm. And so they missed out on reaching the finals despite not losing a single game. And St. Helens went through despite not winning a single game. Yeah. The whole thing is absurd because um, two English sides, Bradford and St. Helens, went through to the finals without winning a game. Yet there were five teams in the uh, B group from England that all won a game and none of them went through. It just yeah, shows mate, you how absurd the whole thing was. Yeah, and like, I mean, they were trying to trying to make it relevant and they just couldn't. They couldn't at all. Um, and, and I think that that was really the first time that the Super League 
competition in in England realised that they were so far away. Another thing that happened at that time, because, you know, International Rugby League was pretty close, but when the Super League war happened and basically all of Australian players become full-time professional, like, and, you know, it wasn't just our one league's worth of professional players. Like, we had 22 professional clubs over here immediately and they're all on massive money, the players. Um, and we took a massive leap away from Great Britain and how good they were, and they've never caught up. No, that's right. It was, And that, that World Club Challenge tournament pretty much showed that better than anything else. Mm-hmm. So what would you have... How would you fix the World Club Challenge? Because I've got an idea of how I would fix it, but what would you do to fix it? I think... I, I like the idea of the 97 tournament. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't make it as long as what it was. Mm-hmm. So I'd probably pick the the top six teams from both tournaments, both competitions, yep. Super League and the NRL. Yeah. And then have, I don't know, a few pools there where mm-hmm. they play, instead of having the English teams playing all their games against Australian teams and vice versa, mix it up a bit. Draw them out at random if you need to to determine the pools. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that way you've got a, a more fair chance, I guess, of an English team going through to at least the final eight teams or whatever. Yeah. Because um, I think the only way you can help the English competition get better is to be playing against better opposition. And yeah. so... Instead of just having the same two or three teams constantly playing against an NRL team at the end of or the start of every season, which essentially only helps one English team get better, which just mm. puts them further ahead of everybody else, which doesn't help the English game at all. No. Why not drag six teams along and say, right, you all get this opportunity here? There'll, there'll be floggings for the first few seasons, but I think eventually it will help those other teams to get better and close the gap a bit and it's going to be the best thing for the English game. See, I would I would go a little bit different from that. I would have the year immediately following the World Cup, I would make that off-season for the World Club Challenge and it would be like it would only be played every four years. And what I would do is I, I would make it a straight lock, knockout competition and I would invite the top club side from each nation, and obviously not every nation that plays the game, but like say eight nations that play the game. So you would what you would have is as it stands right now, St Helens would represent Great Britain, um, the Sydney Roosters would represent Australia, the New Zealand Warriors would represent New Zealand, the PNG Hunters who were in the Queensland Cup they uh, represent PNG. The Toronto Wolfpack would represent uh, Canada. Uh, you'd have the Catalan Dragons representing France, you know, and, and then from there you're starting to have to go into the weeds a little bit. You'd, you'd want a representative from the United States. Um, you know, you might end up having some sort of playoff system where with smaller nations in Europe or something where they get to be involved and just have it as a straight knockout competition because it wouldn't take very long if you did it that way. I think the the burden on players wouldn't be too bad. 
And I think you could honestly say that it is a, a world club challenge because you are getting teams that are literally from different parts of the world. I think that would be really interesting and I think it would be far more relevant than what we've got right now. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, both ideas would be an improvement. Is at the same, because what I suppose what's at the core of both of those is that every team that's not an NRL side gets to play against a better competition or a better team at yeah. some point, and that's only good for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And I think any time that, because we've become, in rugby league, There was there's been a point where we've been too compartmentalised and we need to change that as much as we can. And, and we've seen that with the international scene. Once you start um, getting that almost a cross-pollination between different countries, it's a good thing for rugby league overall. Um, and I think that we would see that at this club level if we did that. I fully agree. Fully agree. Um, and it would, I suppose, it would give us something to watch in the off-season instead of the... Uh the trials between teams that don't aren't really taking it that seriously because they don't have to. Yeah. You don't actually shouldn't be expecting them to either, to be honest. Well, wouldn't you be interested to see how the Toronto Wolfpack went against the PNG Hunters? Well, yeah. Like, that would be a really interesting game. I don't know how that game would end. Like, Actually, I'd be I, more excited about watching how Catalan Dragons went against PNG. Just two completely different styles. Yeah, yeah. Because just, that's yeah. that's more of a French team versus a genuine PNG side, whereas Toronto doesn't have anyone from Canada in. It's just another English team, really. Yeah, that's true. But And it's like those sorts of <laughs> contests, I think, would be awesome to see. I think it would be great for New Zealand Rugby League to have the Warriors and know that they're going to be part of the World Club Challenge every four years. Um, there's, a, there's a lot that... I think the game would get out of a system like that. And because it's a knockout competition, like like eight teams, what's that? That's three games and the competition's over. That's not too bad, especially when you consider, and that's the, you know, you might have that going on because that off-season would be uh, straight after the World Cup. So we would have got a lot of international rugby league out of the way with the World Cup the previous year. And you could have the <coughs> challenge played at the same time, you had maybe a Northern and Southern Hemisphere um, World Nines or the, maybe the World Cup of Nines. You know, the, there's so much you could do with that off-season. And you would be cutting out International Rugby League overall. But I think we'd get something out of it by doing things like this. Oh, absolutely. I think there is, there is one downside, though, mm-hmm. with, with, with your idea, and that is what if the Warriors finish, like, second last Okay, mm. in the NRL, mm-hmm. they still get into the World Club Challenge tournament that you've got there. Yeah. Now, obviously, they play against like PNG Hunters. They play against Catalan. They win both of those games. They come up against the Roosters in the final, and the Roosters have rested a few players because you know they're not taking it too seriously. And the Warriors come out and win. Yeah. And they become the World Club Challenge or world club champions, despite finishing third last in the NRL and not playing finals football at all the year before. <laughs> I, You know what? I definitely wouldn't have a problem with it just for the fact that it's called the World Club Challenge and it's not the World Club Championship. <laughs> you know, we've seen, we've seen teams win 
the uh, the European Soccer Championship who weren't the premiers of their competition. Um, and I know it's a very it's a big difference if a team is you know had a terrible club season, but. As long as it's called World Club Challenge or the International Challenge Cup or something like that and not the World Championship, I'd have no problems with it. You know what? I'll yeah. bring up an old school idea then, given that we're going to have the word challenge in the title. Okay, yeah. Bring back an old rule from the 20s and 30s in the, in the Sydney competition. Yeah. If you're the top-ranked team in your, in your game, in your country, yeah, and you get knocked, you get knocked out, um, you just, you reserve the right to challenge the winner of the World Club Challenge. So St. Helens or the Roosters could both challenge the Warriors if they were to win in that situation. It's a I challenge. Oh, yeah, I, I don't understand how that works, but fuck it. Let's go with it. <laughs> <laughs> so the Roosters just sit back and say, you know what? If Saints want to challenge the Warriors, go yeah. right ahead. And if you win, then we will challenge St. Helens and then we play that final. What, if there, was a, what if there was a, a wild card thing, right? Where in the... So, so say you've, you've ran the World Club Challenge in the, on that off-season, right? But then you've got a wild card, like almost a belt, okay? And this belt, you've got to beat the team that holds it to win it. And the team that ends up holding it at the last as they go into the World Club Challenge gets to take part in the World Club Challenge. That would be interesting as well. Actually, I was going to say, instead of the final, yeah, like you have your normal final, your normal competition, and you then have to take on the previous winner if it's a different team to determine if you're better than the actual current, you know, current carryover old. champion. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Wow, that's a really interesting idea. There you go. Man, see, we're, we're full of ideas. I can't believe they, they didn't take me on board the uh, International Rugby League board. <laughs> I, I, look, I think it's really clear that you and me should be running Rugby League worldwide, you know. We'd be coming up with better ideas. At the very least, we'd have something better than folding, you know, tables and stuff for our press conferences. Well, yeah, the vending machine's got to stay, though. Yeah, oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, that and is some decor that we do not have in the NRL and we really need. At least we would be like, man, I think we need to get a, a minder for Mark coin. <laughs> <laughs> Just put one of those chains around his ankle and put it around a, a, the nearest fire hydrant. You know, the other thing we would do is that be like, okay, we're going to have our meeting in Singapore. And it's like, why? And they'd be like, because we just, you know, we like Singapore. We like and the atmosphere. Yeah, you and me would be like, well, why don't we just have these meetings over Skype? And <laughs> we, would save, we would save literally tens of thousands of dollars doing that. Yes, we would. But they would all hate us. And that's why we don't get our foot in the door with these organisations. And they are poorer for it. They are. They don't know what they're missing out on. Yeah, I agree. Now, there's been some other news. Mm -hmm. We'll start with a small one first. The Titans have signed unwanted Warriors forward Sam Lasoni on a one-year deal. 
Um, he's essentially coming in to cover for the loss of Ryan James for the year. Mm. Um, I, I don't think it's a bad signing by the Titans. It's, it's not a bad move, but uh, no, and not discrediting Samuel Sonny at all, but Ryan James is a huge pair of boots to fill. Yeah. Um, all I hope is he comes over and he rips and tears all year because I think if he does that, he will be a very good pickup for them. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't see the Gold Coast as a holiday destination like the entire Cold Gold Coast club did last year. Yeah, it's not a holiday, people. No. Um, the Roosters are reportedly interested in signing Israel Folau, according to prominent rugby league journalist staff writers. Uh, yes, writers uh, reports that the Roosters will be looking at bringing Folau into their side for the 2021 season. It's going to be an interesting one. He'll have played a... EU Rugby League in Super League. It looks like he's still got it already. I mean, he's, yeah. he's still got it. Um, man, uh, I part of me thinks that they will not want him to come back, but I don't know how you can continue to say, and we've talked about it quite a lot, how you can say, well, we're not going to allow him back, but we're going to allow the likes of Matt Lodge back. You can't keep yeah. doing that forever. But at the same time, you look at someone like a Todd Carney and he he's basically been barred from the NRL for life pretty much and he never did anything as close to anything like what Matt Lodge did. So it makes no sense. It's, it's, it's very crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, comments from one person are deemed to be worse than the actions of several many others. Yeah, I, I, I just think so. I, I don't get it. I understand that the NRL wants to look like they've been inclusive of everyone else, and that's fine. You're not going to sacrifice that by getting Falau over. If anything, there's an old saying, you know, you know, the best way to deal with someone who's got prejudice is to show them love and, and make them realise that everyone's perfectly fine. You don't need to sit there and think that every you know some certain groups are weird or something like that. Mm. Um, and Falau seems to be pretty happy to be back playing rugby league over in France. Mm-hmm. Um, he's agreed to the, the contract catalog put down, which they basically said, you say anything bad anywhere. We're going to terminate your contract, and we're not paying you a cent. And he's gone. I'm signing that, no matter what. Yeah, that's all the NRL has to put to him, and that's all the Roosters, if they sign him, has got to put to him. You sign with us, you find a play, whatever. We'll give you whatever money. But the minute you say anything bad anywhere, we terminate this deal. You don't get a cent. Mm. If he wants the money and he wants to play, he'll agree to it, and he'll he'll do his he'll do what he's told. But you know what, right? I. And I've got zero faith in NRL clubs. Uh, you know, they just, they don't care. I, I think that, honestly, NRL clubs do not care. I think that if the world's best player went out and killed 10 people and the NRL said, yeah, you can sign him, there'd be 16 NRL clubs lining up to sign him. Um, so I I feel like once there's a, a bid in for Israel Folau, and it looks like the NRL might okay him. I think you get a number of clubs, and once you start get and once you get more than a, a couple of clubs or even one club, then you just need the one that says, "Look, say whatever you want on Instagram, you'll get your money." I think if he has this a, a good season at the at the Dragons, 
Yeah. And he behaves himself and he shows he's fully committed to behaving himself the whole time in the NRL. Mm -hmm. Every team will be chasing him except the West Tigers. I guarantee you. (laughs) (laughs) West Tigers. They might need some wingers or even a fullback if he's Uh, made his... Jason Jason Moody is still alive. He'll be fine. (laughs) Pat Richards played in the nines. He's fine. We can bring them back. What's his name? Was it John Wilson? Yeah, yeah, he's still around. Old Johnny Whitelegs, he's still about. Yeah. Sure, Bo Ryan is probably still fit. No, 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 he's not. (laughs) Ah, damn it. Put a line through him. Yeah. You know. Uh Yeah, one other funny thing here. Um, Fox Sports needs to work on their headlines. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One of the feature article states, Holmes looks like he never left as Dragonstar scores four tries. Oh man, dragons! Uh, yeah, just just work on that Fox Sports. I'm sure you can figure out where you went wrong. I'm not going to point you point out to you. You are a media organisation with people who studied the English language. I'll leave it to you. But uh, was that about staff writers? Um, well, yeah, staff writers not... staff writers wrote the content of the article, but I don't think staff writers writes the headlines. Okay, yeah, because you know what, it's. And I've seen this before where you'll get a writer and they'll do they'll do a really good article, but then whoever does the headlines, and it's not the writers that do the he- the headlines for news organisations, the headline can be something really horrible or it can frame the article really badly. And you see the poor writers are then left to, to say to people, just please read the article and ignore the headline because I didn't write the headline. Yeah. Yeah, that, that happens a lot. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Mr. Writers would ever put up a headline like that. No, no, definitely not. You know, I, I would love a job just writing the headlines for articles, hey? But just make them as clickbaity as possible. Well, n- not just that, but I mean... I... Well, like, ex-NRL star. <laughs> you just use that to start with everything that went yeah. bad. Yeah, X at like uh, or X, and you just use their previous club. Like yeah. for Darius Boyd, you just say like, you know, X Night Star dropped. <laughs> What's this? Oh, Darius Boyd. What? <laughs> It'd be fantastic. You just pick a certain teams then. Yeah, or you do stuff like um, so say for Valentine Holmes, you could say uh. Like you know, Jets rugby league superstar, and you get Newtown fans going, "What's this? What's going on?" Oh, they're talking about Valentine Holmes. Damn. It's like a marketing ploy. Yeah, it'd be great. You just target specific teams. Yeah, I I love writing a headline <laughs> site. Hey, now there's I went through the trials results before. There's two games which I wanted to have a quick quick little chat about. Mm-hmm. Just for just for shits and giggles. Yeah. Dragons beat the Newcastle Knights 38-12. Do mm. you think the ink has dried on that contract extension to Paul McGregor yet? Oh, well, I actually did a tweet about that, huh? <laughs> and said that, like, and and everyone got it. But I was like, yeah, you know, it showed, they showed great faith in him and they should give him a contract extension. It's really funny because that's it's almost what happened last year. You know what? You what round was it that he signed that contract extension? Like five it was, or six? 
yeah, I feel like it was six at the latest. Yeah, because they lost their first two games and they won four in a row. And I'm pretty sure it was somewhere in late in that four in a row, either the third or fourth game that he got the contract extension. And then they lost nearly every game after it. The second worst contract extension ever yeah. after Brad Arthur's one where they got absolutely annihilated and then they signed him to a contract extension. <laughs> Um, the other this one was dumb. they're so dumb it's kind of crazy huh? <laughs> it is the other one was North Sydney beating the Titans 18-16 about a week and a half after Paul Kent came out and said that the Bears should be brought back in Brisbane yeah um, and then North have rallied and they've come out and they've beaten the Titans and said yeah we can beat the Titans it's a, it's a fantastic moment for the North Sydney club should the and... Bears merge with the Titans was remember there was a man? This rugby league's so dumb. Remember a couple of years ago there was talk that the and this was Greg Florimo because anytime the Bears are mentioned, Greg Florimo was a go-to person. And when the Titans were for sale, Greg Florimo mm-hmm. come out and said that they should buy the Titans and then play half the games on the Gold Coast and then half of them at North Sydney Oval. And pe- people actually wrote them articles for a while. Yes. I thought that was last year. Was it just last year? I think it might have been. I have to check. Yeah. But yeah, that wasn't that long ago. Um, yeah. This talk of North Sydney coming back, bring back the Bears. Uh, yeah, it's Maybe they could bring them back as the Titans. We call them the North Sydney Gold Coast Titans Bears. The Titan Bears. <laughs> Imagine their logo. Their logo would be fucking awesome. <laughs> Imagine it's like a bear. It's a bear with a armor. shield and a sword. Yeah, with a shield and a sword, but then, like, off the back of its armour, it's got, like, bazookas and guns and, like, rocket launchers and stuff, and it's growling, and, like, it's got one eye like the Terminator. Oh, that'd be awesome. It'd be epic. Yeah, I want that and- to happen now. I suppose you wouldn't, need, you wouldn't need to call them the North Sydney Gold Coast because the Gold Coast is north of Sydney. Yeah, that's true. What, what could you call them? You could call the them the Golden North. The Golden, Golden North Bear Titans. Titan the Bears. Golden North Bear Titans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. There we go. We solved them. Yeah. Remember when they, the first Gold Coast team come in and they were the the Gold Coast Tweed Hedge Giants. Yes. That didn't last long. No. Well, they got... It was mainly because they got the club got bought by the Seagulls um, yeah. Leagues Club, and so they changed their logo to a Seagull. Yeah, which, which was, was super marketable. Yeah, that, that, that worked well. Yeah. It's, you know what's really weird is when you fly to Gold Coast Airport and it's actually in New South Wales. Yeah. Well, that's not weird. I mean, that that's helpful. Oh, it's good because you you know you're not land, landing in a state of absolute confusion, Queensland. You're not landing back in time. No, exactly. It's like yeah, I like to get off a plane and still be like not in the 1980s, like Queensland. Yeah, yeah. You want to be in the present day still. Yeah, pretty much. It just throws your phone out. It stops working. Yeah, and then they've got the. Like, they don't like um, daylight saving because, like, I don't know. I feel like it's 
it's almost 50% of the reason why people don't like daylight saving is also 50% of the reason why they don't like fluoride in the water. <laughs> Just because them damn city people. Yeah. There might also be anti-vaxxers at that rate. Probably. Cyclists. <laughs> cyclists? Where do cyclists come into it? I'm just trying to pick out hated groups. Vegans. <laughs> Put them all together. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Um, have we had any emails? Oh, we did, actually. Oh, I was going to spring it on you, thinking that we didn't have any. There you go. We got us an email. Yeah. i got to open my email account. All Let me finger that. Uh, emails, mate. Emails. Ah, oh, emails. Okay, so we had one from Adam, and subject was Top Potty. And he said, hi, fellas, Top Podcast, your latest episode and Twitter questions to Todd Greenberg were great episodes. Lots of laughs, lots of insults. Keep them coming. Listening to every episode. Oh, listen to every episode. Uh, champions for being the only league potty to keep going in the off season. So... Thanks for that, Adam. That was really nice email. I, I emailed him back, um, said thank you very much for that. Yeah, I think we were the only one that properly went through the off-season, um, and that's just because we're better than everyone else. There was another one, uh, the voluntary tackle. Um, but, yeah, I, we've, we've been the only two that, that yeah. flew the flag. Yeah. Um, and we are probably yeah. the only one that did history yeah. episodes. What's that? We're probably the only one that did history episodes, and we certainly were the only one that did a commentary of Die Hard. Yeah, and uh, what was the other? Oh, Con Air. Con Air. Have you teed up the uh, watching Freddy Got Fingered? Have you got that sorted yet? No. You, I know that's going to be one where you got to, like, I don't know how you finesse the situation on that, but, you know, good luck. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm that good. <laughs> <laughs> You know what you should do? You should you should buy your missus a bike. I hear that works pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what I forgot to do? I what put did out, we forget to do? I, I, we forgot to. I put out a thing saying um, for people to message us about what they thought of the um, weekend's footy, basically. Well, we and, haven't forgot. You just remembered. Yeah, well, it, you know what? It's part of the schedule. That's how we're going to do it. So uh, let's go, let's go to the beginning. Um, and Wombat, he said, scheduling once again was bloody atrocious. The hour wasted pushed back the kickoff time in New Zealand to 10 p.m. Two weekends of crap scheduling, but really good footy played nonetheless. That's a really good point. I didn't think of the kickoff time for the for the Maori. I mean, the Maori were playing. And kickoff times 10 p.m. in New Zealand. That's bloody ridiculous. And that's been a bit of a problem with these 8 p.m. starts in Australia. Is that um, it's just way too late for for the New Zealand viewers. Mm. And, and the other I mean, thing, it's partially too late even in Australia, to be honest. Well, yeah, and and we've talked about this too. Like when you're getting out of a footy game, and I when I mean getting out of like getting to your car and getting away from it, and it's 10:30 p.m. It's it's not great, especially if you're going with kids. Um, and you're at the, work the next day. Exactly. And you just can't do it. Um, the thing about the scheduling for the All-Star game was that the women's game was played 
earlier in the day. And then there was like this two and a half hour gap to the yeah. men's game, which I thought was bloody ridiculous. It was. There's no need for that. And it, the problem you get with that is it makes it so hard to draw a crowd to come and watch the first game because they're going to sit there and go through a first game and go, we've now got to sit here for two and a half hours before the next game. And yeah. no one wants to do that. It's stupid. And I don't understand, like, you're putting on this event. I don't know how you're making any more money by having it stretch over that period of time. And, like, I mean, in I would think that the women should be walking off the field as they're taking all of the stuff out onto the field for the pre-game show heading into the men's game. Exactly. Not having, like, everyone sitting around for two hours doing nothing. It's... That's just so absurd. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so it was. Absurd. Um, Simon67, Cowboy Jet is his username. Uh, he said, hashtag all stars. Uh, was a great game full of passion. Do you think, think Latrell's on-field anger management could be an issue this year, especially seeing as there are some moments during the game where he lacked self-control, or do you think he is just highly competitive? Um, I definitely think he's very competitive. And look, he's probably a little bit angry after all the crap that James Hood ornament was been sprouting about him all off-season. Just need to get out of your system. Just get out there, yeah. Yeah, just get out, do a bit of rip and tear, get it out of your system and go, right, now I can focus on playing proper footy. I think the problem that Luttrell has is, like, because he's such a big dude, you know, if he pushes someone away, they're going to, a lot of times, end up on their backside. Like, it's going to look like a really violent reaction where he's just pushing someone away. He does uh, have a very strong and stiff um, arm when he does that fend as well, too. So when he hits someone, it's like being poked with a freaking crowbar. Yeah, yeah. His fend is bloody impressive. It's very English-like, that fend. Yeah, it's crazy. Where do you reckon... I mean, at this point in their careers, say you line them up, I reckon Inglis is definitely ahead of, ahead of where Luttrell is. Um, Agreed. I think the thing about English people forget, he won a competition as a centre, he won it as a 5'8", and he won it as a fullback. He might have yep. also won one as a winger too. Mm. About the winger one. No, I don't think he was on the wing for too long. Okay. But yeah. that's crazy. When you think about that, like, yeah. just an all-time great. Oh, um, athlete. We had a message from... Samuel Bayless, one of our our top supporters, he's really stuff amazingly. Thank you, Sam, for that. He said the Roosters are going to be very hard to beat again this year. Stupid penalties kept St. Helens in the game with field position. Roosters didn't miss Cronk. Flanagan will be the buy of the season. Um, I can't argue with any of that. I think if you're a rookie halfback and you're mm-hmm. trying to, you want to go to a team that where you can sort of ease yourself into the game and sort of, you know, hit the ground running. You want to go to a team that's got uh, a great spine, a good forward pack, and some great outside backs. I mean, the Roosters have got all of that in spades. Yeah, and I think with the way Kiri has shown he can take over completely, um, there's not too many 5.8s that if you need them to take over all the playmaking duties because there's pressure on your young halfback, that they can do it as completely as Kiri can. So, uh, like you say, it's a perfect situation for him. Um, we had a, a reply to that tweet, actually, from... I don't even know how you'd say this name. It's it's A-H-S-I-U. A-Asu? 
Asu. I think you nailed it. Yeah. He said, he said, nah, in the NRL, you need experienced halves, and the Roosters are more of a top six, definitely not winning this year. Great team, but the NRL is 10 standards above the World Club Challenge. Yeah, look, the only, the only counter I've got to that experienced halves thing is the West Tigers in 2005. Yeah. Benji Marshall had been playing for a year and a half, and Scott Prince, not much different to that, given all the injuries he had. I guess uh, also mm. with the um, Canberra Raiders, I know they didn't win it, but getting there with White and, and uh, Caesar, Aiden Caesar, and I guess Caesar's pretty experienced, but it, it's not great experience. And White, and I feel like, is still learning the 5'8 position. Um, yeah. I feel as though if, you, if you've got the right team at the right time and you hook it up, all that thing with experience and stuff doesn't really count, hey? Not hugely. I think I think what teams need the most is a lot of people think you need like the perfect halves pairing to make it to the finals. I think what you need to have is a very, very good forward pack. Yeah. I think that's the way the NRL is now. You need to have a good forward pack first and foremost and then a good spine, not just the halves, but a good spine and everything else is, you know, your centres and your wingers are just, they're just, a, you know, if, you, if you've got good ones there, then more power to you, but, you know, you can you can do without world class centers and five eights if you've got a good spine and a really good forward pack. Yeah, definitely. I and I think depth in the forwards as well. Like I think um it's fantastic to have a world beater like a Talmalolo. But you look at the Roosters forward pack, they haven't got a world beater in their pack. They've just got a lot of really good solid forwards who get their job done and you can interchange a lot of them as well. Um, and not really miss a beat. I think that that's something they've done that's maybe gone under the radar a little bit. It's, a, it's probably one of the most reliable forward packs we've seen in a while. Mm. Um, very, very good. Uh, another one from Samuel. Uh, when will the World Club Challenge be played in Australia? That's a really good question because I think with the way that the record of Australian teams has been lately um, in the World Club Challenge... It's a hard sell over here. I wouldn't be shocked if we didn't see another World Club Challenge game in Australia for at least five years. Yeah, I think what we for it to come to Australia, this is what needs to happen. And bear with me on this. Yeah, England needs to become the best team in uh, the best competition in the world and the best national team in the world. Yeah, if we're playing catch up to England, then that, that game will have some more value to Australians, and then that'll start coming over here. But until then, it's going to be something that the British care more about than the Australians do because the yeah. British are trying to catch up with us. Yeah, 100%. You know, the only other thing I could think that maybe would pique the interest of authorities to bring it over, back over here would be if you got someone like, say, Toronto or the Catalan Dragons have just, they come out of nowhere and have this ridiculously good season where they run away with it. And because I, I think that the English in the English competition, um, because we've beaten them so many times, it's they're just you can't sell it over here. But I think someone like a Catalan Dragons or a Toronto Wolfpack, you could probably sell a game like that over here way easier. Yeah, that's that true. But they have to come out and have a, do- a completely dominant season in Super League. I suppose another way too is if you had um, one of one or two of the best players in the world playing for one team over in England. 
And so they become the draw card. But the yeah. chances of that happening are pretty damn slim. Yeah, especially with the way the salary caps are between the two competition. Mm-hmm. Like, just yeah. trying. So, say you had, say, uh, the town, they had a Tao Malolo and Tedesco or something like that. Like, it'd need to be, like, plays they could really market over here mm. and, and, and get a crowd to. Yeah, that's a really good point, too. That's another good one that would get them over. Um, and the last one we had uh, was from Samuel as well. He said, it would be hard with scheduling, but an NRL All-Star game, middle or end of the year, would be amazing. High-quality game for the start of the year. The four quarters helped. Um, that was a really, really high-quality game. You know, when I was watching the game, I was actually thinking that it would be fantastic. Uh, you know, when we have the international um, window to play games in, to have the Maori and the... Uh, Australian Aboriginals play one another in the mid-season. Oh, that's exactly what I was going to suggest, is during that, that origin period, that would be a great game to have in there when we've got the other internationals being played as well. Mm. You can have Cook Islands playing Papua New Guinea or something like that, and the game leading into it is the Aborigines versus the Maori. Yeah. And it's something along those lines, but I think that would be more suitable and much better because you've got a lot more eyes on it, um, a lot more players in form. Everyone's a bit more excited about it. It'd be, I think it would be amazing. It really would be, yeah. Because, look, the game they played uh, the other day, it, it was really high quality. I was kind of shocked at how much they were ripping in. Um, fantastic game. It was funny. I saw a thread on Reddit. Because uh, the game was was posted, the the results and stuff on Reddit, and there were obviously people from overseas. You know, they don't really know rugby league, and so they were saying, "Oh, tell me about this concept." And people were saying, "Well, it's the Australian Aboriginal players and the New Zealand Maori players," and I think it was an American said, "So, it how did they describe it? They said it's so it's a friendly race war game." <laughs> 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 and the funny thing is, it's, they're kind of right. It's like, yeah, we we kind of, yeah. That, we that's decided... the thing that was that was bad about it before, is that it was the World All-Stars versus Digital All-Stars. Yeah. And you looked like a racist if you cheered for the World All-Stars team. <laughs> yeah, and like, it, the other thing was, it was like the World All-Stars, and I guess this is also another thing when we've had world teams play against nations in rugby league. Um, no one's cheering for the world. You no. know, at least with the Aboriginal team versus the World All-Stars team, like, you, the, there was something about the Aboriginal team you could sort of get behind. The World All-Stars, it's like, what are you supposed to get behind that? It just, yeah. it's hard to do. And, and uh, I'm yeah. I'm glad they but, changed it to, to Indigenous versus Maori, though. I think that's a much smarter concept. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And it's... It feels right for the contest. I think it, it, uh, you know, it it goes back to when we saw that. I think it was the two thousand and eight World Cup warm up game where we saw the simple, oh, yeah. and that was, I mean, that lit up that World Cup. It was one of the highlights, and it wasn't even part of the official World Cup. It was a a warm up game or an exhibition game they called it. Um, and that should be how every bloody World Cup starts, if you ask me. Is those two teams playing against each other? That should be just like the marquee first game that they have. One hundred percent. I agree. I agree. It made me think to like what other 
what other what because because you could do a you could probably do a Polynesian and a Melanesian team. Could mm. you like? I don't know what would you call it a Celtic team or a Celtic team, like a European team. Yeah, you can probably team. have that. A, yeah, a team I, of a team of players who can actually speak Welsh. Welsh team, just call, just have England. If I can just. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the England teams always turned into. Now they've got bloody people from Habersham playing for them. But it was <laughs> it was interesting because I was thinking like there's not too many other ways you could break it down because obviously a PNG team is just going to be the PNG team at this point. Um, and a, a lot of the Pacific nations are, are pretty much along similar lines with the Tongan teams, the Tongans, the Samoan teams, the Samoans. You don't see too many. Um, people that have a different heritage in those teams very often. Um, But it made me think about what other teams, like I guess at some point you could have a, a a greater African team maybe down the track. Bolsheviks. What? Bolsheviks. (laughs) Yeah. Now, now we're really looking. Next step from there, which we won't go to. Could you, I get, I'm trying to think you could probably have an Asian all-star team, couldn't you? Because we've got the Philippines. That's true. Thailand. We've got a Japanese team. Yeah. Think of where else we've got teams in Asia that have played international in- footy. India have just started playing rugby league. Okay, there you go. Man, yeah. I'd like to see the Asian all-stars play. There you go. Oh, we had a South American... What would they call? Yeah, Latin Heat. Yeah, that's it, the Latin Heat. Get, that's get those cool. in there. Yeah. So, no. see, so we've got some options. Yeah. More great ideas. Yeah. Look at that, full of them. Yeah. Well, that's been a uh, a very thought-provoking episode, that. We've yeah, had we've... stats, we've had ideas. Uh, we had a bit of a chat, a bit of discussion about the games that went on and how to fix the preseason and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, we've been busy. Yeah, and this is like, well, we knew going into this episode we had a lot to talk about, so it's been good. We've got a lot off our chests. Very productive. Yeah, yeah. Is the next episode is going to be full of just bullshit, isn't it? <laughs> it's going to be crap. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to counter this productivity with something garbage. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to come up with like a top 10 haircuts in rugby league or something episode. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Nailed it. Yeah. Kerry Hemsley, number one. It's hard to beat. That was just, it was a beautiful haircut. Hey, by the way, right? Yeah. And we saw a little bit of it at the all, on the All-Stars coverage. Um they started playing the Simply the Best tune. Mm-hmm. And it was obviously just a recording of Tina Turner from back when she last recorded Simply the Best. If they don't do anything special with it this year, they were just talking out their asses. Yeah, although... I don't like Tina Turner. She's I, like I, 80-something. I kind of wish they had have got someone to do the song in a revamp style. And I, I know I said this last year, and I don't care how much it cost. They mm. should have said to Beyonce, can you can you do a music video for Simply the Best for Rugby League? Mm. 
just you know make it a dance song if you need to do whatever you do to make it more relevant with today's music add your own flair to it we'll pay you a big chunk of money you can come over to australia and perform it at the nrl grand final or you know who else they could get to do it would be lady gaga she'd nail it yeah she'd be great yeah but go after someone like that yeah or they could even get uh mac elmore he'd, he'd kill it oh, well general doesn't like going back to 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 past acts too often <laughs> uh, i think i think they've done their run with mac elmore mac elmore no, we've still got to see him half a dozen times before they're done with him, eh? Uh, Where's Jimmy Barnes? <laughs> pry, pry the whiskey bottle out of his hands and get him out of here. We need him. Uh, you don't want to take that away from him? Well, you know, probably makes him more. When was the last time we saw Jimmy Barnes at the rugby league? I feel like it wasn't even that long ago. Like no, it the wasn't that long ago. The thing is, he's still... He still belts out a good tune. Yeah, he does. That's true. He's a he's a little bit like uh, Ozzy Osbourne. He still sounds like a young man when he sings. Exactly. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, yeah, I think we've wrapped everything up, haven't we? Yeah, definitely. Um, go to rugbyleagueproject.org. It's the number one rugby league statistics website on the entire interwebs. Um, it's got all of the competitions that matter. It's got all of the stats. It's just, you can get lost in it for hours and hours. And it's one of my favorite websites that doesn't end in like hub or hamster or anything. So go and check that out. It is definitely my favorite website. Yeah. It's no my wonder. homepage. Yeah. It's my second homepage. Hey, there you go. Um, and obviously, for all your rugby league news, go to leaguefreak.com. All opinion, all news, all the time. I mean, he's pumping out, what, 35 articles a day? Bloke works flat out on that. So go check out all your news and stuff over there, opinions over there. I'm getting lots of writing done lately, too. It's heaps of stuff. There you go, people. Nothing. You, you, can't, you can't miss out on anything. No. I tell you what, go to nrlbreakingnews.com. Uh, it's like basically all of the latest news from around the rugby league world, all in one spot. You can check it during the day, check it out, and uh, yeah, you just get a glimpse of what's going on. It's it's pretty good. I set that up, and it's going it's going all right. There you go, mate. We we are keeping you lot informed. Yeah, we're just we're here as a service for the people. Yeah. You are informed and learned people because of us. Yeah. It's not about us. It's about you lot. No, it's about us. Yeah, that's true. After we get off here, I'm going to light a big cigar, sit back and just watch the money roll in. <laughs> <laughs> as you do, as you do. All righty, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Um, we'll catch you next time. <laughs>